Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. He's back in the bullpen today. We have Mr. Shelly Winter, host of the Shelly Winter Show. 95.5 FM WSB, conservative, but we forgive him. Shelly, good day. What's going on, brother? All right, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, brother. Thank you for being back on the show. Um, you and I need to connect about the basketball clinic for the youth. So let's make sure we do that Absolutely. Uh, before the summer is out, okay? Absolutely. Um, all right, let's get into it, man, because the Republican primary, DeSantis, um, AKA Governor DeSatan, he has launched what many are saying is a very horrible campaign. I'm not talking about Democrats, Republicans are saying this, that they expected much more. And then when you look at his policy, let me bring up one in particular. His policy on immigration is causing a mass exodus of individuals, especially those who employ people from the state of Florida. This cannot be good, you got the Disney debacle, now you have this. Graves Williams, a lifelong Republican, explained this. He said, the skilled labor and manpower needed to provide tomatoes to North America basically is impossible now because of Ron DeSantis. He's a DeSantis supporter. So how do you see this shaping up as far as DeSantis and his ability to translate it to a national Republican primary? Well, first of all, the I've got to figure out what where what you're against. Um, or four, because basically DeSantis's law that he passed was essentially saying that you have to use a mandatory use of E-Verify, which is already a federal law, has been a federal law for 30 years. Um, and then also the second part of that law is that you have to, um, there, you, there's penalties if you hire illegal immigrants mm -hmm. um, whose employment has not been verified. Um, so I'm not sure if you're, against that, which has already been the law, or if you're for cheap immigrant labor that's you know overly used and people taken advantage of, cheap labor. I didn't know the Democrats were for cheap labor. You guys mm -hmm. used to be for protections of immigrants, mm -hmm. illegal immigrants. Um, so I'm not sure where you stand on this, unless the argument is I'm just against Ron DeSantis because he's running for president, and I just called him Ron DeSatan. But right. the the point of the matter is there is a point to this, which is protection of American labor, okay. um, and and uh, and. The guy that you're quoting is a lifelong Republican. I didn't know you agreed with lifelong Republicans. Well, um, you let just me told say this, me dear you, brother. You just so told me one, you gave me that you forgive me for being one. Yeah, I try to. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, one, so I'm not sure uh, where you me, stand on this. My, my point is this: I'm not sure where you stand on this. Well, I'm here, and I will tell you exactly where I stand right. and what I've said for the record, even on this program. Here, the Satan is actually right on the prosecution policy. I said that right here, dear brother, I'll say it again. As far as where I stand, where I stand is very clear. The question to you was, how does the sentence translate this particular message politically into a national Republican primary when he's running partly on his ability to bring jobs and economic prosperity. Well, he's already done but you it. have, hold on, wait a minute, brother. Allow me oh, to finish oh. the question, sir. Yeah, sorry. When, when he now has active Republicans, major donors in the Republican Party who either A, live in Texas or have significant businesses in, in, in Florida, excuse me, 
live in Florida, have significant businesses in Florida, are now saying he's contrary to actual economic growth. My question once again to you is, how does he translate that message to a Republican primary, to Republican voters like yourself? Right, Republican voters have always been against illegal immigration. Republican voters have always been for the crackdown of the hiring illegally of illegal immigrants. Mm -hmm. So this plays perfectly with the base. Not only does it play perfectly with the base, but it plays perfectly because he actually signed a law and it's not just rhetoric being talked about um, building a wall or Mexico will pay for it. He's actually got, he can go on a campaign trail Mm -hmm. and say, I've actually signed a law to back up what I believe. Um, So to the base of the Republican Party, to answer your question, it plays very well. To the donors, there's two different groups of people in the Republican Party, just like there's two groups of people in the Democrat Party. There's more than two donors and then the voters. More than two groups, dear brother, you know that. It's very nuanced. You know what I mean though, you know what I mean. All right, so so let's let's go down the line here. Uh, Because I've said this for years, I actually have a dissertation uh, about how one of the five factors, one of those factors that has to be fixed as it relates to immigration policy is the statute itself being properly enforced. The same statute, same federal statute that says it is illegal to hire an undocumented, it is illegal to work as an undocumented individual. The subsection of that statute says it's also illegal to hire them. But anytime you see 600 undocumented workers being arrested and the media is there, helicopters over their head, a SWAT team is inside the building, you never see the human resources director, you never see the CEO, you never see anyone else involved in the operation go to jail, they will get a civil penalty. Well, roughly 90% of individuals who come here undocumented come here for what? Work, they come here for work, which means there's a great attractor inside of the American work design. And that attractor is the employer, that's who it is. And so as it relates to the actual policy, I don't disagree with the policy. I think he's doing it in a way to pander, I'm fine, I'm fine with that. Why you do something between you and your God? I need things to be done correctly. I don't like obviously the penalizing of poor individuals at the expense of these corporations. I don't like the exploitation dynamic. That's why I believe that individuals should have opportunity for citizenship to raise the standards so that they are not paid under the table and paid pennies. But beyond the DeSantis dynamic, which by the way, he's not polling great. Many are he's now saying- He's at 20%, he's at 20%. At 20% where? And uh, well, at three, I think 538, he's averaged about, not, I'm sorry, not 20%. I was thinking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Sorry about that. Um, uh, he's polling at about 13%, and by, uh, Trump is about 30%. There so, you go. Yeah, I mean, okay. or 50% in some polls. My part, I had Robert F. Kennedy's numbers in my head. Okay, all right. So <laughs> he's polling. Watch your guy. He's polling at he's polling at 10 to 13%. Let's say that on average. He's polling at 10 to 13%. He's solidly number two. Even at that low number, he's solidly number two. He doesn't vacillate very much. So it's not as if he's 20 one day and five the next. Everybody else is kind of polling at about 1%, ironically. And then you still have a significant number of undecided Republican voters, which is a different reality for Trump now than before. But I will say this, uh, Trump doesn't seem to be getting the level of competition many expected DeSantis to give him. Uh, uh, I just wanna know your thoughts on that. I, I, I think that's early, I, I, okay. I, let me say this. First of all, I definitely agree with what you said earlier. 
um, when you talked about the workers and everything. We're on the same page there. Okay. Um, uh, I think it's too early to tell how he's going to do. Um, I think he's. I don't think he's had any major slip-ups, uh, with the exception possibly of the rollout on Twitter. Um, and some of the technical issues, um, but they still had when they came online, um, you know, minutes after they were supposed to, they still had a substantial number of people join. Um, so I think it's just too early. Um, remember, back in uh, in 2020, I mean, as recently as 2020 or 2019, going into 2020 election, Joe Biden was polling third. Um, and then he had to win South Carolina and then took off from there. So I think it's a little early to uh, say he's not doing well. Um, and I really wouldn't listen to too many people on the right um, that go after DeSantis because I think there's a lot of pro-Trumpism going on. And so they wanna kinda cut him off at the knees. Yeah. Uh, I pay more attention to the attacks coming from the left, which sees him as a viable uh, challenger to Joe Biden. But I think to answer your specific question, I think it's too early to make that analysis. Okay, Biden, because you brought up the comparison, there was a slingshot type effect when he was endorsed by Congressman Clyburn. Uh, and we actually said it, we could predict it, we could see it. We said if Biden gets the, the endorsement and he wins South Carolina, it is going to create a trajectory for him that will be unstoppable. Compare that to the Republican primary. I do not see a Clyburn like figure in the Republican primary, and I don't see a state with someone who is willing to endorse a DeSantis and create a change in the flow. That doesn't mean it can't happen in the future. I'm just saying right now it won't. But I do think at the end of this three men are standing. And if you see it differently, tell me. I know it's early, but I'm gonna make the prediction now. Three men are standing at the end. Trump, if he is still eligible to actually run. DeSantis and Chris Christie for a different reason. The reason why I think Chris Christie would be the last man standing with those other two is because look at who's running, man. You got Pence, Pence running for president. Is he really running for president? And then you have everyone else who's basically running away from running for president. Chris Christie is at least attacking it head on. I think there's a lane in the Republican Party. It may be small, but you don't need right. much but what 11% of the vote in order to be number three. Right. Um, uh, first of all, I think your analysis is, I, I won't say spot on, but I think it's, it's clearly logical. Um, there is a lane for an anti-Trumper uh, in a presidential primary, a nomination primary, um, where a large number of voters are undecided, and he's clearly only getting what the numbers that he's getting. Those numbers are not going anywhere. Trump's numbers are not going to necessarily crash. Um, they're going to hold steady at 30, 35, 40%. Um, so there is a lane for someone to be anti him constantly. Um, I don't know how wide that lane is, I don't know if it gets you to three. Um, I do know uh, Ron DeSantis as number two. Uh, the reason why I think to your slingshot analogy that you use with Joe Biden, 
Iowa, uh, DeSantis's campaign has uh, pretty much put about 15 to 20% of their campaign, what they have right now in Iowa. Um, they have about 150 ground uh, campaign, hired ground campaign staffers in Iowa. And uh, they're going hard with the same strategy, surprising, not surprisingly, but it's a good one that Barack Obama employed in 2008 or 2007, going into 2008 election, um, which was <clears throat> put everything into Iowa yeah. and let that be your slingshot. And that's what DeSantis is doing. I think what's going to hurt Trump. It's not the legal things, it's not the media coverage, it's not the normal things. What's gonna hurt Trump is Trump. I think he's going to do what he did in 2020. He's gonna push a lot of Republicans away from just talking too much and yeah. not running a campaign, but running a, a, a kind of a revenge campaign and not running a this is what I can do for you campaign, which is what he did in 2016 by running a populist campaign. And I think he's going away from that. So I think there is a path for DeSantis. My dream ticket, honestly, is either a Scott DeSantis, DeSantis Scott ticket. That's my dream ticket, a DeSantis Scott ticket. I would love to see. Wow. All right. Iowa caucuses, you brought it up. I mean, you like you like Chris Christie. Come on, man. No, I don't like Chris Christie. Nobody likes Chris Christie. I don't like Chris Christie. Oh, okay. Well, you know what I mean. No, I don't no, know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. I don't like Chris Christie. <laughs> yeah, All right. Chris Christie. So, He's 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 too fat. <laughs> All right, so no, seriously, no. Listen, man, let me go. I gotta go to the no, next for question, real. brother. I mean, you Hold know on, what let I'm me saying. let me go to the next question, man. <laughs> Iowa caucuses. You brought it up. Iowa. If you look at the uh, history of the Iowa caucuses, they used to play a major role as far as actual new voters in the future, right? Because it made people believe you're a winner. That's how it really worked. You don't see that so much now, but it definitely gets you more money. So if you win the Iowa caucuses, and there's a level of manipulation involved because of how caucuses are done. You gotta know how to do it. And so if you know how to do it, you come out looking like or smelling like roses. Well, that's gonna get you more money. That's gonna get you significant earned media. Everybody's gonna talk about the fact that you won the Iowa caucuses and you're gonna get more dollars in your bank account, which can help obviously with the distribution of your campaign. So I get you on that point. I still don't see it as a South Carolina dynamic that translated into money and voters. But I do get your point that he's going to go strong and he probably does do very well there. At the end of this, dear brother, do you see a potential where the Republican Party, the party who's at odds with Trump, they don't say it out loud, but they are. Do you think they try to negotiate if there's a close delegate count? They try to floor negotiate Trump off of that ticket if he's absolutely. in the lead. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Ab- absolutely, and and I'll tell you the the danger in that, and it goes back to what I said earlier. And this is what I love about our conversations. We go full circle. There's a donor base, mm-hmm. and then there's the base base. Most of those delegates represent the base base. Um, if they try and do that, and they try in a negotiation, and there's a floor fight. I think we see January 6th all over again at the Republican National Convention. Um, uh, And and I say that because the love for Trump is is stronger than the love for actually winning a presidential election. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, And um, I believe believe their love for Trump is stronger than their love for country. No, that's not true. Yeah, yeah, come on, man. 
The love for Trump on, by man. many is because they love the country. Come on, you man. may disagree with them. You may disagree with them, but it's Come because on, they love the country. So they committed domestic terrorism because they love America. Uh, well, yeah. I, my people have been calling for domestic terrorism because we love America since 1800. So See, you can stop you, right man. there, my look brother. At you. Look you can at stop you, right man. there, my they, brother. They got you all. You can stop up right in the there. Head, I eat a Black Panther Party. You all, loved America you all because of yeah, yeah, head, yeah, yeah. You I love you. You throw black you. folk under the bus when the conversation I is about you. white domestic terrorism. I love I you love too, you. brother. Don't love your ways, brother. <laughs> um, this tough love right here, this is what you're getting. Oh, I appreciate I you, man. Huh? Thank you. Thank you. All love right. You. Love you back. We'll have you back in a couple of months. All <laughs> right. Always, always good to see you, man.